This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. This is a conversation between myself and Satiris Anunnaki, the, or is it five, from the Greek outfit Septic Flesh. Satiris is the vocalist or a vocalist, guitarist and songwriter in the group, and the catalyst for our conversation is due to the launch of a new album from the lads titled Modern Primitive. It is out now. Before we get to the conversation, if you are listening via the podcast apps, I've got a tune to share with you. Of course, it's from the album. It is titled Coming Storm. And once that's done, we'll dive into the conversation. For all of you who have tuned in via YouTube, we're going to cut to the conversation right now. Let's go. You are. 
G'day, mate. Hi there. How are you? Really well, thank you. You're doing the uh, the old Zoomer grind. Can't call it phone grind anymore, but you're doing the old grind with the Zoomers worldwide. Talking about the album. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of zooming. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you have being Greek? You must have family living in Australia. Uh, actually, no, but I know many many others that have. Yeah, I think it was was it Greece's uh, the equivalent to the treasurer was born in Australia. There's this there's this unusual connection. When I say unusual, it is what it is. But there's this connection between Greece and Australia that I don't think Greece has with any other country in the world. We know a ton of Greek people, and if you go to Sydney and Melbourne in particular, there are whole suburbs where the surname is you know Hatsotouris or Delamitriou, this sort of thing. Yeah. That's crazy, yes, indeed, that's a fact. <laughs> a lot of Greece uh, went uh, uh, many years ago and uh, started their life in uh, Australia. Yeah, post-World War II, there was a massive immigration uh, boom from Italy yeah. and Greece in particular, but but the Greeks, yeah, mate, it's we've got a whole, you know, it's football, soccer, we call football soccer here, but soccer clubs here, and um, Ange Postacoglu, who is uh, Australian but of Greek heritage, he's now managing Celtic Football Club in Scotland and was our national manager. So, you know, <laughs> su- succeeding and doing all sorts of things all over the world now, Greek Australians. Well, it's crazy. It's uh, really nice. <laughs> how have the how have the calls been going? Though, have you found that people have been asking you intriguing and interesting questions? In other words, are they do they get that you know when you're having a chat about a new album, it's time to chat about the new album? Um, well, uh, it seems that the new album has a lot of uh, questions mm. uh, because it has. Uh, the lyrical content it has also the the music is also uh, really theatrical. It is also our first album uh, by Nuclear Blast, and uh, this is uh, uh, for us uh, uh, an introduction to a lot of people uh, because uh, Nuclear Blast Blast has a huge uh, uh, audience mm-hmm. and. Uh, for us, it's uh, a new experience, you can say, with uh, Nuclear Blast. Yeah, might, oh, look, I've got a, a bunch of questions that I've planned to ask you, but I might uh, might lead with that one there. Why did you leave Season of Mist, Seasons of Mist for Nuclear Blast? Uh, because, uh, you know, actually, Season of Mist uh, is a good label, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a uh, good uh, collaboration, but uh, there is a limit to what uh, they can do. Everybody has a limit, you know, and uh, it seems uh, that it seems that uh, we reached to their limit of what uh, they could do for uh, septic flesh, while septic flesh uh, could do more. And uh, nuclear blast spotted the, this fact and uh, made, made us a proposal, and uh, it's it was uh, for us a really easy choice. Uh, especially when we saw that the nuclear blast uh, uh, was going to take us uh, without interfering at all to our uh, creativity. And uh, from day one, they were uh, really supportive to us, uh, uh, really friendly and uh, uh, open to discussion and uh, uh, we have great communication. uh, uh, it is for the best uh, for the band, you know. 
Did Marcus sign you guys or were you dealing with label people? What? Marcus Steiger, the head of – oh, no, Marcus is – sorry. Marcus is over at Atomic Fire. My bad. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's all right. Yeah, I'm getting my Atomic Fires and my nuclear blasts confused. Uh, were, were there any overtures, though, from Atomic Blasts to bring you over to them – Atomic Fire, sorry, to bring you over to them? Um, we know a lot of people uh, from the industry, of course. Uh, but, uh, you know, whatever uh, has to do with uh, labels, hmm. uh, we have a manager in the band that is uh, responsible for this uh, situation. Uh, we are mainly focused on the music uh, aspect hmm. of uh, uh, the job. Uh, of course, uh, we meet a lot, a lot of people. and. Um, there is a there is a kind of a friendly attitude uh, from all around. Uh, uh, so we are, we feel really uh, great, and uh, uh, you know the plans for the band uh, are going really well right now. Mm. Yeah, well I can tell because modern primitive is. Uh it's it's another vast and bombastic addition to the septic flesh catalogue. Look, you've been in this business 30 years now. I mean, I'm sure it probably doesn't feel like that, but that's literally how long it's been, probably longer as a matter of fact. In and amongst that 30 years, you've had 11 albums amongst other yeah. releases. So was there, was there anything different that you as a band that you'd said, this is what we want to do and achieve with Modern Primitive compared to albums past? Uh, well, uh, when we start composing an album, uh, we have uh, the previous album as uh, the immediate uh, opponent. And especially the last album, uh, uh, Codex Omega, Mega, was uh, really very uh, strong. Yeah. Really good. And uh, we all felt it. And uh, so we had uh, this uh, uh, opponent to beat. Mm. Uh, also, being uh, in a new level, and uh, introducing us uh, with, an, with an album uh, was uh, an additional uh, stressing uh, factor that uh, we had to deal with. Uh, but uh, uh, you have to uh, be grounded to reality and uh, uh, start from uh, the most important thing. And the most important thing is to have inspiration and to create uh, good songs. Uh, it's not about overanalyzing everything. And mm. uh, if you start from the point of making decisions from day one, uh, strate strategies to follow what to do, it's uh, wrong in our opinion. Uh, so uh, we started uh, focusing uh, on our emotions. Uh, the good uh, thing uh, with Sipiflis is that uh, uh, all the members of the band are composers and contribute ideas. It's not a band that has only one member to take uh, the whole responsibility. And so there are uh, ideas from all directions. And uh, when someone feels uh, a little bit uh, overwhelmed at some points, some other from the band takes the idea to the, the next step. Uh, so we had this uh, luxury in the band. And uh, we started uh, just uh, by, by saying to ourselves that uh, we have to beat the previous one and uh, we, will we will not uh, stop 
trying until we all feel that uh, we have done so. That was uh, the only rule of thumbs. I'm glad you, you brought up Codex Omega because it is considered one of the great modern heavy metal albums. It's had a tremendous impact. It's actually, when you go into a lot of those fan forums on Reddit, on those best of albums in a career, it's actually number one or number two for you guys, which is, to be honest, yeah. it's really unusual that late in a career. When I say that late in a career, almost 30 years in, you have your best album. What other band does that happen with? But, look, it, it's an outstanding album, I must say, and I'm going to have to live with Modern Primitive a lot longer before I compare it to Codex Omega. But that's the point. Yes, sure. did, did you feel a lot of pressure to follow up after yes. such a stellar accomplishment? Yes. Uh, actually, it's a pressure that builds up from album mm. to album. Uh, as you said, uh, we are a veteran band. And uh, so we have uh, tried many times to surpass ourselves. And uh, always there is this uh, question to our mind that uh, we, can we make it? But uh, uh, you have to, to strive. You have to be to focus on the task. Uh, you have to trust uh, your instinct. Uh, there is no golden formula. Uh, no guarantee good uh, result, uh, great result. We are not aiming for good result because uh, actually uh, when an idea we feel that it's good, uh, we just leave it uh, behind and uh, try for something uh, better. Mm. Uh, so you have to be really harsh to yourself, uh, a really harsh judge. Uh, actually, we created uh, the double songs more than uh, 20 songs for the album. But uh, you have to just uh, uh, continue. So we throw a lot of stuff out, as you can imagine. Uh, so we, we kept uh, on uh, working uh, until we all felt that uh, we had something uh, more powerful. And that was the case also with Codex Omega, with all the previous albums. Mm. Uh, we feel really great when we see that uh, people uh, choose our latest album albums as their favorite because that means that uh, all this effort is uh, appreciated by, by the fans. Uh, also, I understand what you're saying because when something is uh, really fresh and new, you have to digest it first. Mm. Uh, it's not you cannot judge from uh, day one that ah this will be my favorite album of Celtic Flesh you have to live with it for a while yes. you have to experience it uh, you have to let it uh, also let a period of time uh, and uh, listen to it again after uh, some months and uh, when uh, you listen then you will have a more uh, uh, objective uh, thought about uh, each album. Sure. This, this is also the same with us uh, as a band. Uh, but uh, for us, it's not uh, about choosing uh, this is the best, this is the best. It is about uh, having uh, albums that uh, really represents us uh, at the time of their creation and uh, feel proud about the, the albums. And uh, uh, we have this. Yeah, great. Yeah, I mean, look, I've listened to it a few times and I can already say to the audience, people listening, that the album contains plenty of drama, 
intrigue and a lot of tension, I've got to say, because of the way you've got the contrast between the light and the dark, the more orchestral movements and the heavy stuff. I love the way you've done that. Even rock bits. I love the way you've got some rock stuff. I can't remember the names of the songs because I have it on in the background when it's, you know, I've had it for a week or so, but playing in the background and I feel like rock music is coming there too, which I just love as well. Rock music, metal tends to be interchangeable, but metal is the thing with you guys. So do, do you write with the metal front of mind first and then do you layer the orchestration? No. Uh, we try to create uh, compositions first. Uh, also, we are attempting uh, a variety of approaches from song to song. There are some songs like, for instance, uh, Coming Storm that was created first uh, symphonically. Uh, we had... Uh, from Christos, that is uh, on the helm of the symphonic element of septic flesh, his ideas. And uh, we had uh, to think about the guitars and whatever. Uh, actually, we try to be unbiased uh, because uh, a good song is a good song. Yeah. Uh, no matter if it's played by violin, by a guitar, and also a bad song is a bad song. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So we just, uh, uh, at first, we just uh, focus on uh, bringing the good ideas on the table. Uh, we know, for instance, that uh, some riffs are going to be played, of course, by the guitar, because that's uh, uh, the strength of the instrument, also some specific melodies. Uh, we know the strengths and weaknesses of each instrument. And so the decisions about... Uh, which instrument is going to be uh, at the end uh, the protagonist is something that comes along uh, during a, a long process. It's not something that uh, it's from day one uh, uh, rearranged. Arranged. Um, so you, you can say that uh, septic flesh are thinking more uh, as uh, composers than uh, just uh, rock, uh, sure. rock or metal. Or Songwriters, symphonic. yeah. Yeah, you composers. Yeah, I definitely feel that. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting you mentioned uh, Coming Storm. I know it was a single. It was certainly sent through to me as an isolated track, if that means it's a single. But, uh, look, it sounds like it could have been the score to a satanic take on the popcorn movie The Mummy with Brendan <laughs> Fraser, you know. It, it has all those elements. Yeah. So, so my question for you after making that statement is, surely to goodness someone's heard what you're capable of achieving and asked if you can write a soundtrack, like an actual soundtrack for a movie. Uh, it's something that we want to do. We're just waiting. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, the phone call is not yet. Uh, uh, As a materialized. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think that uh, we are the most appropriate band to do a soundtrack for uh, uh, some uh, really uh, dramatic and uh, intense movie. Uh, I don't know. Probably, you know, it's uh, everything in life is a surprise. Maybe it will come someday. I think your music is suited to the vinyl medium specifically. Would you agree? Uh, the vinyl for the sound, yeah. you mean? Vinyl, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. those speakers just over there, if I can put my finger the right way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like really good because <laughs> I've got a vinyl set up over there. I'm remodeling, if you can't tell. And uh, But I, yeah, I, yeah. 
I, I think I'll, I, I'll certainly look at getting um, Codex Omega on vinyl, but I might even get Modern Primitive on vinyl once I've lived with it a lot longer on the MP3 format. But I, I can't imagine that it would sound better on any other quality medium. Yes, uh, I agree with you because uh, also I'm a vinyl uh, lover. Uh, mm. But uh, besides the fact of that uh, the sound is more warm and uh, human on uh, the vinyl, uh, and the whole uh, ritualistic uh, element of putting the violence yeah. in the world and focusing on the uh, instead of uh, pushing a button in your uh, <laughs> uh, PC or whatever, uh, and the AP3, of course, uh, suppression of the, to the sound and yeah. uh, the wave suppression to the sound. Uh, besides that, we have also a strong uh, visual element that uh, when you have a, a surface like uh, in a vinyl. vinyl it's uh, more uh, uh, impressive to see the details. And uh, that's why, for instance, we made the choice to put uh, the specific cover as the cover of the vinyl uh, and uh, the other cover as the cover for the CD okay. of uh, Modern Primitive. I haven't seen it. I didn't realise that. So you've got two different covers, obviously. Is it is yeah. the vinyl version an enlarged, like when I say a more uh, expansive version of what the CD gets? Yes, uh, actually, Seth uh, uh, surpassed himself because he had also plenty of time uh, in his hands. Mm. And uh, at some point, uh, he surpassed uh, uh, 100 layers of Photoshop, you know. Uh, oh, my God. So, yeah, I do Photoshop, yes. so I get that. Yeah, that's enormous. Yes, because it's enormous, yes, because he has. it's like you have, uh, I think, uh, more than 100 uh, layers of art. Oh, the one yeah. lane before the other, you know. So it's a whole world. He created the whole world with uh, so many details. Uh, it would be impossible to put this po cover to, uh, to the small CD uh, jewel case and uh, really appreciate it. Uh, so the, the cover for the CD is more minimalistic. Uh, you get the meaning, the meaning right away. Hmm. Uh, when you get the the vinyl, then uh, it's like you have uh, in front of you a strange mirror, and uh, yeah. of of, an, of, an, of another world, a world uh, of uh, of decay for mankind, hmm. and uh, you can spend uh, many hours and uh, examining the characters, uh, the situations, the backgrounds, the everything. It's uh, by itself is uh, an experience. A bit, yeah, a bit. I'm gonna have to check it out. Yeah, hopefully JB Hi-Fi or someone nearby actually has the uh, the edition I can pick up in store because I'd love to check it out before before a, you know you can go through a Nuclear Blast web store, but you want to see these things when you pick them up. It's a special thing, isn't it? Yes, uh, I understand because uh, also this uh, uh, great feeling when you when you are going to a music store. And you search, you, it's a physical interaction. Yes. You are there, you, you're touching the vinyls, you, you are set. It's a, an experience, you know, for mm -hmm. us that are more uh, older. And, uh, you know, sometimes when uh, uh, you get older, older, you have a nostalgia about times that uh, you had, uh, that you spent it, you know, when your favorite bands releasing an album and you have to go to the store and uh, wait and buy it and stuff like that. I remember. Yeah. Uh, physical I remember interactions. Uh, important, I think. 
I remember those days well. I remember getting Street Media, you know, the magazine, and it'd tell you the release date for an album and you'd go in the morning and you go in the morning before work and you'd line up and sometimes they'd have the box there already delivered and they'd open up the box in front of you and go, yeah, here's the CD or here's the vinyl. It was all CDs back in the days, you remember, you know, in the 90s, you know, that's what, that's yeah, my yeah. era. I think we're the same age, so, you know. But, uh, look, with... Um, with the lyrical themes too, I uh, I do follow you on Instagram and I notice that your bio states that you support vampire dreams and occult science. So are these the themes that you use for your lyrics? Yes. As a matter of fact, uh, yes. Uh, it's something that it is uh, really deep inside me since uh, I was a child. Before even I found uh, some uh, lineage and uh, mm. some hints, uh, there were some themes that uh, I had uh, uh, always uh, passing uh, to my mind and uh, some interests, you can say, and some questions. Because uh, everything starts with a question uh, and, uh, and debate, you can say. You have to attack something with all your might and if it doesn't fall, then it's true. This is my pers perspective. So uh, of course, my right uh, perspective. Of course, uh, of course uh, what I mean by cult, I don't mean uh, hocus pocus. I don't mean nonsense and uh, things just to impress, uh, like uh, uh, the magician uh, in a uh, circus. Uh, I mean about the, the things that are hidden, because, uh, and that's why I mentioned also science, because for me, Something must work all the time. Not some uh, uh, now it works, now it doesn't. If you have found something that uh, really works all the time, then it's valid. Uh, or if it doesn't work, something uh, happened and that uh, uh, interfered. Uh, it's uh, so you have to if you want to have results and not only to just uh, uh, be a poser. <laughs> Uh, as many people are, mm -hmm. uh, you have to validate your experiences and you have to repeat your experience by will. And uh, this uh, kind of uh, treating the will that is something uh, that is not uh, uh, materialized in front of you, it's not, uh, the will has no face, has no, it's uh, invisible, but it is, it exists, the will, for instance. Uh, this kind of things that are uh, more based on energy and more based on uh, materializations of your uh, uh, desires, mm -hmm. uh, they, are, they are not uh, at first visible. But uh, when the, the results are visible, then uh, it's uh, a success that, that you can uh, verify. Mm -hmm. You're a smart fellow to make that distinction. So do you uh, subscribe or do you lean into the philosophy of LaVey Satanism or is it beyond that? Of there? LaVey, you and know, Anton, Anton Sandor LaVey Satanism? Uh, well, um, I don't like, uh, like the brands, the uh, putting uh, labels, Satanism, Christianism, because actually I, I, I don't like at all the... Satanism as a, as a name because mm. it's a, a direct linkage to Christianism. Yeah. For me, 
so this is uh, this is uh, something that uh, always uh, why I avoid say I'm a satanist and uh, something like this because uh, I don't want to use uh, uh, to become uh, the the flag of Christians uh, and to use the, their own uh, flags, you know, yeah. you know their own names. But uh, on the core of the philosophy, I'm a, of Anton Lavey, uh, I'm a, uh, really, really close, really, really close, because uh, for me it's a, ma- a matter of philosophy. Lavey and uh, uh, his uh, church quote, uh, yeah. his way of thinking, uh, resonates with my way of thinking more than uh, the way of thinking of some other guys that uh, 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 find a fancy name just uh, and perform some uh, rituals with uh, saying some words and uh, uh, all mm. gather all together and uh, do stuff and think that they are magicians. Uh, for me, if you want to be uh, something, someone powerful, your own god. Uh, you have to to be a philosopher first. Yeah. You have to to find to find inside yourself the answers. Uh, the answers are not told by one person only, by Lavey or by anybody else or by the Bible. Of, uh, there is no book that contains all truth and all. Uh, mm. It's impossible, uh, but uh, you can find uh, really useful uh, thoughts. For food, food, you know, food for thoughts. And uh, then you have to build on your own mm-hmm. because you have to to have uh, your own strength. It's like a, a muscle that you have to develop inside of you. Uh, so to answer your question, uh, I'm really close to what uh, Adol uh, uh, LaVey says, mm. but uh, not limited. Yeah, very good point. Yeah, I think I think this is the first time I've spoken about this on my show. But uh, I'm uh, I'm a, I'm a committed Christian, but I'm also a spiritually satanic, if that makes sense. Meaning that I identify with Lavey's message makes a lot of sense. But then I also identify with the hope and the message of salvation through the message of Christ. And I don't think that they're necessarily contradictory. But a lot of people they don't think about these sorts of things, and they don't. And I'm so glad you mentioned the the, the they they don't have the philosopher's perspective. They don't think about things in a way where it's like, how can we make these things work? They just take them at face value and say they don't actually mesh. And Satan is a Christian construct. There's no doubt about that. If it wasn't for the Christian church, there wouldn't be no Satan because he's Lucifer, you know, the first light, the fallen angel, this sort of thing. But uh, do, do you find that in interviews these sorts of topics come up often? Uh, no. No, actually, no. Uh, because actually, you know, the kind of uh, uh, reaction uh, that uh, Satanism uh, provided uh, in the older days uh, now is gone because uh, many th- many grimmer things are happening on uh, uh, mankind, and uh, people are not so impressed by this kind of uh, stuff. Yeah. Uh, anymore, it's not a hot topic. You can say uh, it's not a, a revolution, revolutionary as it was. It's uh, more like a norm. 
and uh, yeah. everything can become uh, like a norm. And when you turn something into a norm, then uh, it's not uh, uh, against, it's not uh, the enemy, it's not uh, uh, someone with uh, uh, the power to to attract and mm. uh, create uh, uh, conversations and uh, topics and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, in my case, this is good because uh, uh, it's not everything a matter of, of uh, making uh, uh, impressions and uh, uh, it's, it distracts from the truth and from the actual uh, meaning that uh, we have to it's, it's, of, it's one of us have to think for himself uh, he has to accept uh, the consequences of his actions and uh, the good and the bad. Uh, mm. Everybody makes uh, choices. Everybody, uh, whatever uh, you choose, religion or no religion, uh, philosophically uh, specific uh, attitudes, uh, it's up to you. And it's up to you to accept uh, the, the benefits or, or the the bad things that will come with this. Mm. As a Greek, do you think about the idea that all modern philosophy, all modern academic framework, and even most religious framework has its origins in ancient Greece? Is that something that you feel await as a modern Greek? Um, actually, uh, the ancient Greek uh, spirit and the philosophy uh, managed to survive and uh, uh, spread around the whole world and uh, being transmuted, you can say, and uh, being a starting point for other uh, thinkers and uh, other ways uh, to evolve uh, the philosophical uh, thought. But of course, uh, also the Greek thought had some uh, uh, background because uh, we can, you cannot say that everything started in Greece. Uh, there were uh, ancient, uh, even uh, more ancient uh, civilizations. Uh, and uh, as uh, the trade between different countries evolved with the passing of years, uh, wherever there was trade, uh, there were uh, chances for uh, different kinds of uh, people from different countries to meet to share the uh, different uh, philosophical uh, points. Also, the Greeks, uh, as Greeks, we had uh, uh, this uh, uh, impulse to uh, travel around, mm. to, to meet uh, other people. So uh, a lot of ancient uh, uh, people uh, traveled all around uh, to the nearest places, to Egypt, to uh, Right. And, and uh, the other places that Mesopotamia, were, uh, were yeah. really, really, really close at the time and more easily accessible. And so they learned a lot of stuff. And they, as I told you before, it's how you uh, digest the information that you get. And then you, you make it your own and you be built upon it. So a lot of uh, great thinkers uh, uh, started to appear. And those great figures uh, uh, made uh, quite an impact uh, around them. And uh, it's like uh, a force 
but uh, if uh, there is a strong force, uh, then uh, uh, molecules uh, start gathering around, mm. and uh, the molecules were other people and uh, other philosophers, and so uh, if you th- have something powerful, it creates uh, uh, copies of itself. Mm. And uh, the, those copies tend to to get their own identity and uh, evolve and evolve and evolve. Um, so it's uh, you can say a chain, a philosophical chain that uh, starts before Greece. In Greece, there was a big boom, a big uh, yeah. uh, spread all around, and uh, uh, focus on uh, the most important aspects of. Uh, all their philosophical uh, ideas. And uh, then uh, uh, the whole world took advantage of this uh, evolution in uh, thinking. Yeah. Because uh, it actually it was a, th- a thought that uh, besides uh, thinking about deities and gods and uh, all powerful beings, uh, started st- shifting the focus towards the humans instead of the and the, towards the experience and towards life uh, and so it was a really important uh, evolution and um, something that uh, we feel really proud as Greeks mm. Just a quick roll call for people who are listening, just to bookend what we're talking about here. Pythagoras is the father of mathematics. Uh, yeah. uh, Protagoras is the relative, relativist Greek ph- philosopher, the first. Okay, Socrates is the father of Western thought, and Plato was by far the most famous ancient Greek philosopher, covering a lot of ground there. And then, of course, we've got Aristotle. Okay, so. We're talking yeah. about people who are integral to fostering Western civilization. Without them, effectively, Western civilization doesn't. It may have evolved, but it doesn't evolve the way it did without their thinking. It, when you're at school in Greece as a young fellow, and even amongst your friends, why Greece? That's the question. It could have been anywhere. It could have been India. It could have been North America. It could have even been Australia, potentially. But why do you think it was Greece in particular that had such a profound impact and influence? Why was it the Greeks that were selected by God, potentially, to be the source and the influence of all civilization as we know it? I don't know. Uh, probably uh, it is, I think, that uh, Greece, as I told you, was uh, in the middle of a lot of... Uh, different uh, ideas it was the position of greece at the time and uh, combination with uh, other uh, great civilizations and uh, when uh, you are on the crossroads you can say of uh, east west uh, and uh, etc and uh, it's uh, it's a really privilege a great privilege and of course as it was uh, really uh, a place that uh, the the trade was thriving. Mm. Uh, there were a lot of uh, chances for this to happen. I think uh, also in the power of uh, the chance. Uh, when uh, the soil is uh, more uh, fertile, there is a chance that you have the uh, best uh, uh, plans, best results, you know. Mm. Uh, I think this is the situation. Mm. And uh, of course, also, it's about uh, uh, randomness and about uh, 
uh, having uh, some really uh, studying out uh, uh, personalities that were born in Greece. Mm. Maybe if uh, Plato were born in another country, it would be the same. But he was born in Greece, you know. Yeah. That was also a part of the strange uh, uh, selection of mm. Greece. Yeah. Yeah, for people who don't know, Aristotle actually was the mentor and tutor of Alexander the Great, the greatest leader the world has ever known. And now I know there's a, a dispute over whether he's actually Greek or Macedonian, but the point is he's from that part of the world. So he's influenced by the thinking from that part of the world. That's my point there. So, look, I'm going to take a bit of a left turn from here. I'm going to talk about the medal again, okay? Tell, tell me, I, I've I've never interviewed the guys in Christian, but they strike me as, uh, as stand-up fellas. I've certainly seen them before and uh, tremendous band. Can you tell me, you've toured with them a bunch of times, so this is why I'm asking you this question. Can you tell me a, a good tour story from with your mates in Christian? Christian? Yeah. Um, well, uh, you know, so uh, I'm actually not... Uh, uh, and continue and uh, continue a member of uh, the live shows of Septic Flesh because uh, Saikon is uh, in my place and uh, I was not uh, uh, on the tour with Christian. Uh, but uh, from, from what, I, from what uh, I have learned from the other guys, uh, you know, it's a really cool band. And, uh, uh, you know, there is a lot of craziness uh, on YouTube. Uh, yeah. because uh, everything happens uh, so fast and uh, one day you are in this country, the other, the other country, and uh, sometimes you are carried away and uh, a lot of uh, uh, energy build up, build up, uh, build ups. Uh, you know, it's, it's craziness. Mm. Yeah. Um, Frederick Nordstrom. You've worked with him on three of your albums. They're great albums, I've got to say. What what did you feel he brought to the band that was important? Like, why did you choose to work with him for three albums? Uh, because he's a genius. He has created a, a really unique style, and his production uh, generated great uh, albums and classic albums uh, in all kinds of metal music. Uh, it was a point that uh, we felt that in Greece we had no chance to create uh, the sound that we wanted and uh, we were searching for the most appropriate uh, producer to to make the next uh, level of Septic Place and uh, right away we felt uh, that Frederick uh, would be a great uh, ally for us because uh, we wanted uh, to elevate the guitar sound and uh, the drums, and uh, he was making a really huge guitars and uh, really powerful drums. Mm. Uh, and so we went uh, to Sweden. It was also a learning school for us because it was the first time that we had uh, this chance to collaborate with someone that is uh, was uh, 100% uh, focused on metal. And uh, we learned a lot and uh, helped us also uh, to the continuation of our careers. Uh, actually, when uh, you start uh, making uh, albums with uh, 
experienced uh, producers. Uh, you gain also the experience to create your songs uh, in a more efficient uh, manner uh, because eventually your songs will be going to be recorded and of course played live and uh, you can avoid some uh, situations that uh, uh, one frequency hits the other and yeah. uh, you lose your power. Yeah, uh, so true. It, it was a really a great school for us to work uh, with him. He was he is also a really crazy guy. I can tell you a lot of stories, <laughs> uh, funny, funny stories, a great sense of humor. Uh, we had a great fun uh, for the recordings, and that's why we used him uh, for three albums in a row. Uh, it was the most used producer for Septic Flesh. Uh, you know, uh, he's uh, he he's just uh, amazing. I think. Mm. Tell us one of the stories. Tell us a give us a select one of one of the craziest stories that you think people would like to hear about uh, the recordings of uh, with uh, working with Fred Frederick. in general. Yeah, working with yes. Fred. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, the first day that we arrived, uh, he took us from the airport. You know, it was. Uh, summer and uh, summer uh, it was uh, a time that uh, in sweden uh, there was uh, a really small uh, night and uh, day and the sun was up uh, all day and so you know we arrived arrived from uh, after a lot of time uh, of uh, time passing through the airports and stuff like that really really tired and so we get to his uh, studio and, uh, you know, inside the studio, he had uh, uh, beds and stuff and uh, everything uh, for the band. So we lived inside the studio for the recordings in a really huge studio complex. Uh, and, uh, you know, after a while, uh, he left us to sleep. And uh, after a while, uh, he returned. Get up, get up, get up. Uh, and you know, I felt uh, what time passed so quick because it was, uh, as I told you, it was uh, light also. And uh, I thought that it was uh, the morning. And uh, I felt, uh, okay, what? Uh, I don't feel uh, at all uh, 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 relaxed and, uh, you know, gaining my power back. But it was uh, three in the morning, four in the morning. And uh, he said, come with me, come with me. And so he took us. We went out from the studio and he took us uh, to a boat, his boat. You know, the Swedish guys have uh, a lot of boats because yeah. they have all these fjords. Uh, yeah. fjords and stuff like that. Um, I will take you somewhere. To, you will see. You must, uh, we must go there right now. And we were talking to each other, you know, in Greek. What, what's going on? <laughs> what's the case? <laughs> it was totally unexpected. Is he crazy? What, what is this? Mm -hmm. And uh, he took us to a little island, and when uh, and we, when we arrived, uh, he gave me a hat, a prisoner hat. And he told me, "This is one for you. This is a place that we leave the the prisoners to rot." Okay. <laughs> yeah. an, an old prison uh, island. And, uh, you know, that he would go and leave us there, you know. And uh, 
that was just one of his uh, pranks, you know, his jokes and stuff like this. What a prank. Uh, you can imagine, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, three in the morning, you know, going to an yeah. island uh, like uh, Alcatraz, you know. Uh, he had uh, crazy ideas and uh, funny ideas. And uh, he had this uh, spontaneous uh, uh, reaction to everything. Yeah. So, you know, you, you can imagine that we we spent a, a really strange time together uh, because, you know, we're also expecting someone really in the mood of uh, making yeah, own serious. production. Yeah. You know, serious. And, uh, and he had this serious, all the time, he had this serious face, you know. He was making the pranks and the, the jokes, but he, had, he was looking at you really ser- seriously. And you could not uh, predict that he was making a, a joke or something. But from the evolution of the of the situation, you understood that uh, he was making a joke or a prank or whatever, you know. Probably trying to relax you guys into what would be an arduous recording session and sort of lighten things, so as though you did give a good performance performance and didn't feel so pressured. What? What? Like you didn't? You weren't going to feel a lot of pressure after that. Meaning that he introduced something that was going to make yes. you laugh, and so he's a joker. And you yes, know, exactly, whilst you've got exactly. a job to do, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, what he did, what he did uh, was also something that uh, relieved uh, the stress and mm. also the tension, and uh, also made uh, things uh, seem more like uh, a fun experience and. Uh, um, also, we were not so tight anymore. Yeah. Uh, the reaction between us and uh, the overall uh, uh, collaboration was more uh, something to to enjoy and have fun and uh, and uh, be creative, you know, rather yeah. than being uh, just uh, uh, really serious and uh, take it, make it all and just play and uh, just push the buttons and uh, okay, bye bye. Yeah. Well, that explains why those albums sound so good then. They say, you know, I, I relax is not a term I would associate with you guys as a band, but they certainly sound cohesive enough from the perspective that you understand that you weren't stressed and frustrated maybe when you're writing those albums. So not writing, but when you're recording those albums. So that makes sense. But, uh, mate, that's all from me. Thanks thanks a lot for having the chat. I appreciate it. And covering all the different topics we did, I appreciate we didn't just talk about music there, but it's not often I get to talk to a musician from Greece. I think you're about the – I've spoken to uh, a few in Australia that are born in Greece, but they're Australian, if that makes sense, um, growing up in Australia. But I think this is only the second time I've spoken to someone who's actually a musician living in Greece. So it's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed it. Uh, me too. It was a really uh, good uh, talk with you. Thank you, mate. No worries. Well, look, good luck with this, and hopefully we'll see you down here on tour, on Australia on tour. Yes. Yes, let's hope. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Thanks a lot. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Satiris Anunnaki V, or is it five, from the Greek outfit Septic Flesh. He's the group's vocalist, guitarist, and a songwriter, and that was a conversation featuring the man himself. Now, if you like that chat, there are many more just like it over at scarsandguitars.com. Click on the podcast widget and dive into a universe of conversations with many of the stars of hard rock, heavy metal and beyond. Speaking of the stars of hard rock, heavy metal and beyond, they also feature in my book called Scars and Guitars as well. Click on the link, the banner. It'll take you to a marketplace and you can download a sample. I haven't just necessarily transcribed the conversations I've wrapped them up in a story. 
So you'll find out about me and you'll also find out about the person I'm having a conversation with. I've got some pretty good feedback so far. I'm very happy with the way it is being received. And if you do download a copy, please let me know. I'll be more than grateful to offer you a heartfelt thanks. So my name's Andrew Mackay-Smith. I am the host of this Scars and Guitars podcast series and the writer of the Scars and Guitars book. Until next time, it is a very goodbye for now. <laughs>